you've talked a lot about apologetics and in apologetics, when we are giving an account for our faith, if you are doing it in a Christian manner, you're standing on scripture to do it. Therefore, if you don't have a firm footing, you don't have anything, you will fall. And so understanding why you can make a defense for the faith on scripture, in what way is it reliable that when I read something from the book of John, I can believe that it's true, is helpful and beneficial to Christians. Critical. Hi, welcome back to Study with Friends. I'm Paige, and we're excited to have you join us this week for a new series on the canon of Scripture. Have you ever wondered how the Bible came together or why certain books made it into the Bible and others didn't? In this series, Holly and new friend Lauren will walk you through how the canon was formed and why you can trust the books that make up our Bibles. If you have any questions or want further resources, you can find them on our website at studywithfriends.org. You can listen to us anytime on your favorite streaming app, and now you can also watch the entirety of Lauren and Holly's discussion on YouTube. Now, let's get started. I'm excited that you're here. Uh, We've been trying to nail this time down together for a while. So I'd like to introduce you as a guest teacher. I'm excited for you to teach us on the canon. But can you give a little background on your life, history, whatever you want to, whatever you sure. want to um, I'm Lauren, and I grew up in the church. I was blessed to be raised in the church and not know a day without the Lord. Um, and I, through a number of different occurrences, um, went to seminary after college. I uh, my brother actually went to seminary when I was younger and I remember like sneaking and reading his books. <laughs> like, this was great. Um, and so Certified I made my way there. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, Who sneaks into their siblings room to read their books? <laughs> Me. Um, but yeah. And so I, um, went to seminary and, um, then after seminary, have been a teacher at a few different schools and um, I have taught music and taught theology and Bible. Um, and one of the things that I got to teach at the last school that I was at, I got to teach a large lesson on the canonization of scripture, on the formation of the Bible. And so I was excited when you mentioned that possibility um, to get to do that again yeah. in a different, totally different context, but it's perfect because I was so the least excited about covering that topic. <laughs> I could tell yin and yin in our initial conversation. So <laughs> it's not that I don't appreciate it. It's not that I don't love yeah. the truth and the veracity. It's just, you know, different things light up different people. And I was just loving how you were lit up by it. So have at it. Okay. We're going to pray. Um, everybody knows who I am, so I don't need to introduce myself. Uh, we'll pray. And then we're just going to dive in. Okay. Okay. God, thank you for this time and thank you for bringing Lauren. I'm so excited to give her the floor and let her go on a topic that she's passionate about, which we all need to know more about, I'm sure. Um, Thank you for giving us this time together, for orchestrating it so that we are able to do it. And we ask you to be in it and work through it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So, um, I thought it would be good just to start with talking about what 
what do we mean when we say the canonization of scripture? It's a big word that we don't use very much. Generally, if someone uses the word canon, you think of the great big weapon. Um, <laughs> but the canon of scripture is the set of what the Bible is. It is these books, no more, no less. Um, different traditions mean different things when they talk about their canon of scripture. And that's one of the things that we'll talk about. Um, but the word canon just means this, this is the boundary of what is the Bible, what is scripture. Um, and so the canonization of scripture would be what the process of how we got this set of books, um, how did they become recognized? How, when and how were they written? When and how were they accepted by the church? When and how were others rejected? And so this is something that gets talked about often, particularly you've been talking about apologetics in a number of different, what do you call these? Like discussions? Discussions. Great. <laughs> like Bible studies like Bible sometimes. Studies. Although I, we've the trimmed down a couple. You do. <laughs> you, this, this, you've talked this a, thing. Yeah, the thing that happens here. Um, you've talked a lot about apologetics. And in apologetics, when we are giving an account for our faith, if you are doing it in a Christian manner, you're standing on scripture to do it. And so therefore, <laughs> if you don't have a firm footing, you don't have anything, you will fall. And so understanding why you can make a defense for the faith on scripture, in what way is it reliable that when I read something from the book of John, I can believe that it's true is helpful and beneficial yeah. to Christians. Critical. Um, and it's not, it's not always something that's talked about in teaching context. Like it's not something that is necessarily talked about from the pulpit very often and not that it has to be, but because it's I an assumption. It's, right. Yeah. And there's, and there's good in that. Yeah. That from the pulpit, you're assuming that scripture is true Everybody and reliable. Believes that. Yeah. And so, but there are a lot of us in the pews who would really like this work to be more clear. Yeah. You know, um, especially people who are raised in the church mm -hmm. and maybe the, they just glossed by it. They never really got some of these answers satisfied. So I think it's important. I really do. I said the word critical. I think it's critical. And we talk about reasoning from outside the Bible, and this is a really important yeah. component, being able to reason from within it. What are, in, in your apologetic like interactions and things, what are some of the ways that you've heard people talk about the formation of Scripture? Like, this could be skeptics, this could be people in the church, this could be wherever. Um, I think that people inside the church, in my experience, and I'd like to hear yours too, um, as we just said, there's just an acceptance. And we're talking about that, we're developing that around this table in the larger series. Th this level of, um, I want to say acceptance, but it's not exactly the word I'm looking for, this level of just compliance without really having dug it up, which I think creates a little bit of tension in some people. And that tension comes to the surface when anybody pokes at it because you realize I don't have the depth of understanding that I need in order to answer that question well. And maybe it's a question from a seeker or a skeptic. Maybe it's a question that I'm wondering myself. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably important for us to kind of tease out also that 
after you become a believer or have been a believer for a certain period of time, I think there's some trepidation about about poking at these things mm. because I think people are like, well, I should believe it and I shouldn't question it or I should already know this. Do you know what I mean, mm-hmm. Lauren? And so uh, that those are the things that I've experienced inside the church. This, um, I don't really know, but I don't feel comfortable asking for a myriad of reasons. Yeah, there can be a kind of a taboo around investigation. Yeah, like an assumption that's a that good it's word. Doubt, an yeah. assumption that if you're looking into this, you're skeptical, mm-hmm. um, which even if you are, so what? Like yeah. if, if you are doubting, then you should look into it. Yeah. But yeah, there's a fear of asking these questions. I love the word taboo. That was a perfect, you nailed it. Because there's like a, like a Christian peer pressure. Yeah. But I don't know where it's coming from because whenever I talk to people in the church, they're like, oh yeah, we should all really know. Well, you you can't get from A to C without going through B. You have to, you can't know without learning it and exploring it and investigating it. And so that would be what I would say I hear the most from seasoned Christians, to be honest with you. And then I think, um, it's a bit of the wild west when it comes to seekers and skeptics, you know, like yeah. um, when the, you might be too young. That's heartbreaking. When the Da Vinci Code came, were you, I, I, yeah, I, were you too young? Did, were you like five? Well, the movie <laughs> or the book. <laughs> I was more aware of what was going on when the movie came out. Okay, fine. Um, but that was a really, that was, there, yeah. there seemed to be these moments in culture mm-hmm. um, where, these questions are brought back up. Another yeah. one, not exactly the same when it comes to canon, like the Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code had a lot of conversation about the other Gospels, and right. there was a, a robust conversation around that. That was very specific to that time. But then a few, maybe five or seven years later, The Shack, the book. Yes. Came. And yeah. so there seem to be these t- these ebbs and flows of times when the whole culture starts talking about the Christian faith for one reason or another. Having said that, as many people as you run into who are not believers, they have a, that many different ideas, thoughts, preconceptions, misunderstandings. So yeah. I wouldn't even begin to narrow those down. Um, the one that I've heard on a few occasions, though, is, and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to expand on it later, but we'll preview it. The Gnostic Gospels. Mm-hmm. Somehow that got into the culture, which is such yeah. a deep dive into the history of the church that it's weird that it got raised up. And well, I think that, yeah, go ahead. Talk about that more. Go ahead. Well, part of it's the name. The fact that it's called, like, people care, care more about the Gospel of Thomas because mm-hmm. it claims mm-hmm. such a similar name. Right, that's I think true. that's part of, like, it makes mm-hmm. it feel accessible. Like Yes. And um, association. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to look for the you said the word it feels accessible but it feels like um yeah like uh, you can assimilate that into something else you mm-hmm. understand even if you're not a believer and the timing of Nag Hammadi and Qumran yes. which teaser for talking about that later you know how excited I get I about Qumran <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh the other thing I guess would be um just that like w- men decided and who are they to say mm-hmm. that that pool a lot of people swim in that pool and that yeah. pool has a lot of different places in it but you know what I mean when I yeah. say um say that so hopefully that teed you up in a good way to what you're tr- what yeah. you were planning no, on I think covering first there's no wrong answer in that 
too of what have you heard <laughs> yeah um but so one i one of the things that i have frequently heard too is the idea that the there's these meetings of mm-hmm. men that the are counselors. behind the mm-hmm. closed doors and <laughs> you know mm-hmm. no one else is in the room when it happens mm-hmm. type of situation and then they come out and everyone has this neat little Bible. Uh-huh. Um, and that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not, we'll just start there. That's not what happened. Um, but so when we talk about the canonization of scripture, um, a disclaimer, can I show my disclaimer yeah. book? So I rely heavily. Show the cameras. I don't know. This is, <laughs> don't um, know. that was not on. That was not on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a very academic book, but it's great if you, are interested in that on the canon, but just disclaimer, because if I use McDonald's words, I want to upset. That's really good. <laughs> that I rely. Which McDonald is it? Lee. Oh, okay. Um, is at Acadia in Canada. Okay. Um, thank you. And it's great. So, but the idea that it's these few men getting together in council like i've heard a number of times oh at the council of nicaea Mm -hmm. they decided what was in the bible Mm -hmm. and spoiler alert like (laughs) the the canon was not set at the time of the council of nicaea um but it was a really slow process um and so one of the things that you and i have talked about you uh i'll steal the wording that you have said a number of times that your seminary professor said, you know, the Bible was not, that the Bible, the canon was discovered. It was not determined. It was discovered. And I, I like that phrasing because, um, one of the biggest points for me that I could say is just that someone asks who wrote the Bible or who determined the canon the short answer is that God God. did. Mm -hmm. God determined the canon. God wrote the Bible. God determined the canon, but he chose to do so through man. Mm -hmm. And so the much longer answer (laughs) is centuries of history. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not neat and tidy. That's not easy to... um, it's not a quick answer, which yeah. I think is... It's not a 30-second soundbite. No. Right? And which is why it's hard to answer the question, because people want a 30-second soundbite. Right. And because our concept, because we live so far into the age of mm-hmm. the Bible being set, mm-hmm. being this set book of 66 books, we don't have any idea most of us don't have a concept of how fluid the idea of scripture was for a long time and that makes us really uncomfortable um understandably so understandably so yeah so that's a lot but we're going to talk more about it so we've touched on this but why does this matter and i think since you invited me here Mm -hmm. like even though you didn't think it mattered 
quite enough to make yourself talk about it. I think, like, I knew it mattered enough to find someone smarter than me that, to talk about it. That's that's how I prioritized it. It's elevated because you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Someone smarter than I needs to explain it. Someone more passionate about it than I. <laughs> so why would you say, if you could give a 30-second soundbite of why... It matters that we understand how I think scripture was formed. And then we can start diving. I'm going to speak on behalf of the ministry that supports this, this whole digital platform. I, we truly believe that all Christians should be equipped with biblical literacy and apologetics. Because we believe that that's going to give you the best opportunity to share your faith in any circumstance. Yeah. A lot of what we do in apologetics is teaching people to either reason what we d we did a lot of work with Jonah because that's a big question. I think you were here for some of that. Yeah. Um, so reasoning from within the Bible and understanding what those challenging passages might mean, how they were intended. Um, so we do a lot with Bible literacy. But we also do a lot with, okay, let's reason from naturalism, pluralism. Let's, let's be conversant in those mm -hmm. things. And so I think we believe that it, it matters because it's part of a fully rounded um, understanding of your faith, of our faith. Yeah. That's why I think it matters. And I would hopefully speak for the team, um, the leadership team, because there... I, I, it would nothing would make us happier than if all of the people who watched every episode of our podcast, YouTube, whatever, had a fully orbed. And you can't leave anything out then. You can't leave anything out. And as long as God allows us to do this, maybe we'll get to the end. Probably not. There's a lot to cover. But this is an important one. And if we're going to do work in apologetics, this has to be part of that, I think. So yeah. that's why I think it's important. It's not something, like you said, it's not something that people are going to talk about every day. It's not something that comes up at Starbucks all the time, although sometimes it does. Um, you said at the beginning, canonization is a big word. Although when you said it, I thought people talk about it in other contexts, like um, mm -hmm. Harry Potter canon, yeah, Marvel, Star Wars canon. canon. Yeah, so I think there's a cultural understanding of what canon really means, which mm -hmm. is helpful. Again, helpful for us. Anything we yeah. can pull from culture to help people understand the words we're using, but. Not so much biblical canon. Yeah. And so I, I think it's just a hole that a lot of people have. And we're kind of about fixing those holes and, and helping people not fall into those ditches. So that's why I think it does. What do you think? Yeah, I think I, I would agree with you that um, it is part of understanding your faith. Because if if we profess to be Christians, we are professing that the Bible is true because that's how we have any concept of what Christianity ought to be, of who our God is and what he has done and who his people are and what we are to do. Um, all of that comes from scripture. Um, and so with that, understanding the formation of scripture is a way of understanding more of how God works. Mm -hmm. Because if we believe that the Bible is God's word, then we should be interested in how he gave it to us. Yeah. Because that's a way that God has worked. That's a way that God has ministered to his people, that he's provided for his people. 
Um, and, and it reveals so something about him. It reveals something about him. And so while it's not, you know, I don't, it, understanding the progress of the canonization of scripture is not as important as understanding what is contained therein. But it is something that God has yeah. done for his people. And so I think it's yeah. good for us to be excited to know that. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. And, and I think, Lauren, it's also good for us to role model the deep dive. Um, that, that there aren't, and we've said several times, there aren't any questions that are going to topple Christianity. It's right. a solid truth. And so I think it's, and any chance we get, it's a really good idea to show all believers, and I'm going to say it, especially women who stay away from apologetics in any shape or form. Um, some, some do, some don't. But it's been my experience with a lot of women who are deep, deep faith women. They're just like, uh, you know, yeah. about apologetics. Um, and so I think it's good for us to show that like, it's worth the effort. It's worth the investigation because what's at the end of that is pretty exciting. Yeah. And so I think that's another reason why it's good to do. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so a little bit back to what we're talking about. The, so the idea of a set canon, the idea of a closed canon is really something that developed in the first and second century AD. And so this is a concept that developed in the early church after Jesus, <laughs> uh, after Jesus had come and lived and died and was resurrected and ascended. First or second century, we get um, this idea of a set canon to be talked about. Um, Eusebius is one of the church fathers, um, and he... Define church father. What, so church father would be <laughs> an early church theologian who wrote enough that it affected the Christians who followed him. That's good. <laughs> That's pretty good. So, there, you know, depending on who you talk to, they would include different people in the mm -hmm. church, fathers church fathers group. But early church theologians and writers who... Um, kind of defined among the first to grapple with all of right. this yeah the ones who decided mm -hmm. <laughs> hey we should have a set canon yeah and i think um, it's also important discovered to the need for yes and I, so i don't mean to cut you off saying That's that okay. discovered the need early grapplers with it and then mm -hmm. i think it's also probably important to say of that group grapplers and discoverers the ones who stood the test of time because yeah. there were others that grappled with it. Right. And their theories didn't hold up over time because for whatever reason they mm -hmm. were debunked. Yeah. And so the, the early church fathers, I don't want to step on your definition, so tell me if you disagree, are those who are revered as having done the work and done it well very, very early in the, in the history of Christendom. Yes. I would agree with that. And when we say early, like first five centuries. Right. Which still Ish. is a long time. Yeah. Right. That's still 500 years. Mm -hmm. 
Hi again, it's Paige. Thanks again for joining us in our study today. We hope that you found some great truths to apply to your life and encouragement for your faith as you continue to mature in your walk with Jesus. We here at Study with Friends are modeled more like a small group. We want to encourage you to continue your growth through the local church. If you don't have a church home, we encourage you to find one where the Bible is taught in every situation. Study with Friends is a completely donor-supported ministry. And if we have blessed you, would you consider donating to us? Monthly partnerships are particularly helpful, but no amount is too small. We'd also love to stay connected. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can stream us on the go wherever you are with iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And now you can watch the ladies on YouTube. If all that seems to be a bit too much for you, feel free to email us. You can find our email address on our website, studywithfriends.org. While you're there, you can check out a myriad of other resources we have that are all free for you. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time when we study with friends.